Continuing on in Romans, we're in chapter 12, talking about verses 4 through 8 today, and we're going to talk about serving God with spiritual gifts. Um, in the two previous lessons, I stated that Paul was focused on uh, Christians' thinking. Uh, the first part of chapter 12 deals a lot with our thought process, the renewing of our minds, thinking correctly, soberly was the word that, was, that stood out last week. And so, uh, and speaking to one another in love. Today, we're transitioning, however, from the, the thinking to the doing, if you will. And we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. But a word of caution as we do this, I, I do not want you to have any misgivings that when we start talking about the doing and the actual putting hands on things and working and using our spiritual gifts does not mean that the thinking process should stop. It, they should go hand in glove. We should think soberly. We should always seek to do things with, uh, with thought, uh, thinking biblically, and, then for, and therefore acting biblically. And so it, it's not a mistake or a happenstance that Paul begins writing chapter 12. And uh, in, in this section of Romans I've mentioned before you could kind of pull it out and say this is how we are to behave as Christians. And so it's kind of its own section. And there's no mistake here that he begins with the thinking soberly, getting our minds right, and then putting our hands to the labor. And that's the process. And so it works together, as I said, hand in glove. So uh, let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Romans chapter 12. And I think I'll just go ahead and read the, the first eight verses. We're only going to concentrate on the verses 4 through 8. But we'll go ahead and read all eight verses as kind of a, a reaching back and, and setting our context together. So Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And now the verses that we concentrate on this week, verse number four, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches, in teaching. He who exhorts, in exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. So, what are spiritual gifts? Uh, spiritual gifts are the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Now, all the gifts are given from the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes, these are confused with uh, talents or abilities. 
Uh, I've always been taught that spiritual gifts are given at the time of salvation. I don't know that I fully agree with that. I think some are. I, I, I think the permanent spiritual gifts are given at the time of salvation. However, I'm not convinced that every spiritual gift is a permanent gift. I fully believe that there are, there are gifts that are given on the spur of the moment and for a, a time. Now, one thing we should realize is that Romans 12 does not present an exhaustive list of the gifts of Scripture. Uh, they're, they're found in Corinthians and in other places, and there are different gifts that are meant, not mentioned here. They are mentioned in other lists. So there's no one exhaustive list of spiritual gifts found in Scripture. So understand that. Today we're going to be focused on the seven gifts that are listed here in Romans chapter 12. So this is not an exhaustive study on spiritual gifts. We're just going to focus on what the scripture that we're concerned with provides. So I understand that these are, first of all, spiritual and that they, they are gifts. So it's not something you earn for, that you earn or that you work for. It's something that God gives to the believer and it's given to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit and to bring glory to God. As I mentioned before, they can be permanent uh, or temporary for an occasion. The gifts that we refer to as sign gifts, tongues and healings and things like that, are not mentioned here. But as an example, I, I do not believe that the gift of tongues is necessary anymore. As I study that gift, it, to me, it is given uh, for the un, for the unbelieving uh, Jew. I think that's the primary reason for it. However, having said that, I I am not afraid of that gift, and I and I fully believe that in a given situation, for instance, a missionary on the field that's trying to speak to somebody whose language he's not good with or he doesn't really have yet. Could God use a person in that instance to convey the gospel? I believe he absolutely could. And I don't find anything in scripture that's contrary to that. But I believe that that gift is given and it should be done as scripture lays it out. And it should be orderly. That's a whole other discussion that I don't want to get into because we don't have time. But I'm just saying it, there are, we, we're not going to limit the Holy Spirit of God to give gifts in the manner that we understand them. He, he's going to do it in the manner that he's going to uh, provide. And that's just one example. It, we were on a bus in Mexico, and Mike Combs Sr. was sitting beside me. Mike Combs Sr. at that time was trying to transition from being a pastor on Signal Mountain to a uh, full-time um, missionary in Mexico. And he was working on learning the Spanish language. He, was, he had just gotten started, and Mike's very smart. He's very good with languages and things, but he was just getting started. And we're, and we're sitting there, and I think the bus was, it was either broken down or we're, we're waiting for something, and there was a guy on the sidewalk, and I just, man, the Holy Spirit just laid on my heart that he needed the gospel. And it's one of those things where I thought, oh, Chris, you're just excited. And I, I fought it, and the Holy Spirit just wouldn't let it go. And I finally told Mike, I said, Mike, I think you need to go witness that guy. And Mike says, I can't. I don't, I don't speak enough. I said, I know. I'm not arguing with you, I'm just saying. But I promise you, if you'll go, I'll sit here and I'll pray. And he got off that bus, and he went over that guy on the sidewalk, 
And I prayed and prayed and prayed, and he stumbled through and gave the gospel, and the man received Christ. And that gave Mike a tremendous amount of confidence. I fully believe that was a language gift given in that moment, and that's never happened to me before or since. But I think God was just doing something for Mike for future ministry. So I think that's an example of that temporary or that momentary gift. That's my interpretation of. If you don't agree with that, please write to Daryl Davenport on Cloverdale Drive, 1505, I think's the number, and he'll he'll deal with my problems, my mistakes. All right. The uh, so again, these gifts demonstrate the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So that's yet another purpose. Does God need us for anything? No, not not really. Not to accomplish it, but yet he chooses to work through us. And, and this does demonstrate what he has said would be true is that the Holy Spirit would come and he would uh, t- teach us and he would lead us and he would comfort us and all these things. And so these gifts relate to the demonstrating of that truth. Understand that spiritual gifts do not speak of spiritual maturity. Let me say that again. Understand that spiritual gifts, possessing a spiritual gift, is not evidence of your spiritual maturity. It is a gift. And so we don't need to equate the two. Spiritual maturity comes through prayer, through study, through faithfulness, through obedience, these types of things. And does God like to use the spiritually mature and can he use them with with their... Absolutely. But don't confuse the two. Uh, There are... There are many people who possess spiritual gifts who do not possess the maturity. Uh, and, and it's a fallacy of the church sometimes to elevate a certain spiritual gift or elevate a person with a spiritual gift and to a, a, a pardon the term, fame, if you will, or popularity that is beyond their own spiritual maturity and many times that person falls. So... Also, spiritual gifts do not demonstrate the value of one believer over another. So if one has the gift of preaching or evangelism, we often want to put them on a pedestal because that's the main thing, right? Wrong. It's not the main thing. It's their spiritual gift. It's what they should be doing because the Holy Spirit gave them that gift. They didn't earn it. It's not that God said, man, if I can get him on my team, whoo, that's going to be great. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit said, here's this gift, now go forth and use it. In the same way that it might give someone the gift of service who takes care of a building, who repairs the church bus, who does whatever. And so one spiritual gift is not more than the other. So... When Paul writes about the spiritual gifts here, the illustration that he uses, the metaphor, is what? In verse 5. So we being many are one body. And so he's talking about the the, the physical body, how uh, our bodies are made up of different members, fingers, (laughs) arms, toes, legs, noses, eyeballs, ears, all these things, and all are important, right? Right? And if you don't believe that, cut one of them off and you'll know. They're all important. And they all have different function, but yet they make up one body. And the same is true for the spiritual gifts. We we are to work together to make up the body of Christ, 
And one spiritual gift does not elevate somebody over another, ever. Now, organizationally, when we go into the sanctuary this morning, one person will preach, as far as I know. And, and that's orderly. And it, and it gets things done and it conveys the message of God. That's important. So we do provide focus for that and we give attention to that, but we, don't ele- we shouldn't elevate that person over anybody else. Okay? Does that make sense? All right. Continuing on. So the first one, the first one that we come to that's listed in Romans chapter 12 is the gift of prophecy. Now very often when we get to this list, we want to uh, say, well, that just means preaching because we're, again, we get afraid of Holy Spirit stuff if we're Baptists and we shouldn't. So this word does not, the Greek words that's used does not really translate well as preaching. It just doesn't. And there are other Greek words that literally mean preaching. Exhortations close to it. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But there's a lot of words that Paul could have used if he wanted to convey the idea of preaching. And he didn't. The word that he used is really, it lends itself more to prophecy as it was in the Old Testament through the Old Testament prophets. So this is not a problem for us for a couple of reasons. First of all, when this is written, the scriptures are not complete, so the apostolic gifts are still in place and still very active. Secondly, God can provide prophecy. Now, the difference, and here's where we have to be careful. Now, in the church age, is the word of God complete? Yes, yes thank you. All right, everybody should have been, there should be a resounding. Yes, God's word is complete. He has, he has finished his Bible, his message to us. And so we do not recognize anyone who's going to try to add to God's word beyond what's already written. That, that, that gift is no longer needed, okay? And, and that, that office is no longer filled. But can, can God give a, a, a person uh, foresight about a direction a church should go, foresight about a ministry that should be started, foresight about problems that could be down the road from government or things like that? Yeah, absolutely he can. And so I think this gift is still active in that way. Uh, and it just, to me, it doesn't mean preaching. So I, I believe Paul is literally speaking about prophesying. Okay? I, I don't have a problem with that as long as we understand that we don't confuse that with the idea of adding to God's word. And in other words, God's saying, I get nervous if anybody says, well, God told me dot, dot, dot. Or God sent me a message. It, it, I'm, I'm much more comfortable if they say, well, I think God's told me this. Or I think God's told me that. Or such and so. And that's okay. What's really bad is when they say, God gave me a message for you. You. Yeah, that, well, that's, a, that's a great segue because that's where I was headed next. Because that does happen. That, we laugh, but that does happen. And when that happens for me... Uh, it's okay, well, that's a wonderful sign. And when God confirms it with me, I'll let you know. But I'm not, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not moving on your holy mantle. I'm, you know, I'm going to wait till I, I serve the same God and pray to the same heaven. So I'm, you know, I'll wait till he talks to me personally. Well, let's see what you said, how it lines up with what scripture says. Absolutely. Because oftentimes those things 
Sure, sure, they can be diametrically opposed, even. And so, and I love that you said it, Brent, because it is. It, uh, scripture is complete; it's fulfilled. And so, any truth, or we're told to what? Try the spirits. And, and this is the context it's talking about. How do we try those spirits? How do we test those spirits? The Word of God, because we understand what the Spirit of God will never disagree with the Word of God. And so we need to keep those things settled. Uh, but I, given those rules and given those guidelines, I have no problem with the gift of prophecy. Well, not to get into it too much, but that's where you can get really off base too with a lot of this faith versus feelings. Yes. Um, I'm going to just call it cult. It's a very, yeah. Well, that's a better way of putting it. I don't know how else to put it. But well, it's, it's, I felt this. Well, yeah. no matter what you felt, it's what certain, does Scripture say? Certainly true. That's how many cults do get started mm-hmm. yeah. uh, with those feelings or, the, or experiences even. So you may have an experience. Right. You may see things. You, but none of those are a substitute or a trump to the Word of God. Well, Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Absolutely. Um, I want to look at Mormonism. There's a little, there's a little show that comes on public TV on Saturday mornings called Tennessee Crossroads. I do too. I love all of those kind. There's one out of Georgia too called A Fork in the Road. And Saturday morning, I'll drink a cup of coffee and watch those things. And it's just different places and events in Tennessee that you can travel to. Uh, but I guess week before last, they had a Halloween version, and there was a ghost tour in Nashville. You know. And, and the whole segment, and then there was another, another was one of these companies goes around and tries to measure the ghost. And, and the guy was talking about, I've seen them, I've seen them. I have no doubt he saw something. But it's not Uncle Fred. <laughs> you know, and, and again, why do these things happen? The UFOs, all these things that can be seen and can really be experienced, I have no doubt. But I understand that there's a Satan involved who wants to do everything that he can to cast doubt upon the Word of God. And that's why you should be careful when you open your mind and your heart to these. Well, absolutely. The New Age movement talks about uh, when they teach and indoctrinate, they call it channeling. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole thing is open your mind to whatever will come in to you. And that is a channel to open it. And so you're exactly right. All right, we're going to move on. But all those, all those things, uh, in the midst of all those things, I have no problem with prophecy. We always test it against the Word of God. All right, next gift. So let's talk about ministry now. And this is really the hands-on gift. So the Word literally speaks of those who execute the commands of others. And so this is the person who... Um, is most happy and most satisfied uh, not necessarily being the leader, not necessarily being the teacher, but if something needs doing, that we're going to get into it and we're going we're to go and we're just going to do it. And I always think of the story, I think of Larry when I hear this one too, but I had a, a professor in college called Dr. Hand and he talks about he finally got put on this building committee which he did not want to be on, but they knew he was educated and they wanted educated people on the building committee. And there was another guy. And so they were sitting in, in the board meeting and all the leaders of the board were arguing back and forth about something that needed to be fixed in the church. 
and they're oh, we're going to form a committee we're going to establish funds we're going to this and that and the other and they were dragging it out and in the midst of it this other man that was sitting next to dr hand got up and left the room and he came back about 30 minutes later you know where i'm going and he told the board said well you're, you can stop so i fixed it whatever it was he just he had that gift and so and he loved it and the board got mad <laughs> according to dr Ann, because he he just went out and fixed it but this this is the type of person that just does that they they man they see that problem they just want to go fix it they want to build they want to clean they want to correct and and they have this gift of ministering it, it's a spiritual gift it, this one takes a very broad meaning uh, we're about to go to Honduras again in December, and we always like to take Marty. Y'all know Marty? Big Marty? You know why we take Marty? He does a lot of work. He does a lot of work. He gets, man, he, those trucks in Honduras take a beating. And Marty is most satisfied when he's got grease up to about right here and laying on the ground and just got his hands up in the middle of a transmission. It just where he's happy. It's where he's home. He has his gift of ministry, see. And you can talk about the preaching all you want, but if you can't get a truck to get you to the church, then it's hard to preach. And so, the again, the body works together. Uh, and so this is one, for me, if you want to define it, is someone who seeks to serve. That They're looking for that problem, like the guy in the board meeting. He didn't want to sit around and talk about it. He heard about it and said, oh, I got a tool in my truck. And that I... They want to go get their hands dirty and get involved. Chris, my favorite uh, display of this every year, and the only reason why I've worked in Vacation Bible School, and if you've never worked in Vacation Bible School, you show up and you see people who can do things, and they're doing them, and it's such right. a blessing to see all these. You're like, I didn't know he could do that, or I didn't know she could do that. Yep. And here we all are. And that's the reason why sometimes we elevate the things that we see constantly. Right. We don't see what goes on behind every single day. Yes, and some of these gifts are that way. You don't you don't see them as much. A lot of stuff goes on behind the scenes. You don't know who did it. It just we and we can sometimes take for granted. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute with, uh, I think it's exhorting, uh, where it's a lot of it's behind the scene. Next up, teaching. And so this one's very obvious. Uh, it's a gift of teaching. Uh, the King James translate th uh, this word as uh, doctrine, instruction, and teaching. All of those things. So the word is used throughout Scripture in different contexts. But it always relates to these things. So when we use the word doctrine, don't be afraid of that word. Understand it just means a, a truth or a, or a teaching within Scripture. And so if we talked about the doctrine of soteriology, doctrine of salvation, it's just what that simply means, just what the Bible says about that truth. That's what it means. That is the doctrine. And so the, when you hear the word, it, it should mean that we're arriving at that doctrine from what we find in Scripture. So one who has this gift will also have the desire to learn correctly or seek the truth. And so the person who wants to be a teacher also wants to get into the Word of God and understand they want to go dig and find that truth. And, and this is one thing I'm, I'm most satisfied when I'm doing that, spiritually speaking. Almost always this is, one of, this is a gift that I have. 
not for, I didn't build it, I didn't create it, I don't deserve it, it was just given to me. But I see it within myself. Oftentimes, I'm, now I'm human, <laughs> and there's times when I don't want to get started. But once I get started, once I finally sit down and open the Word, and I, and I, and I start thinking about, well, what am I going to do? So next, probably tomorrow, I'll start on Romans 12, 9. And all right, what, what, what you got, Lord? And, and then as I open it up, the Holy Spirit will say, well, what about this direction? Look at this. What about this word? And what am I doing? I'm getting in the books. I'm trying to figure it out because I, I, I want to teach. I want to tell you guys the truth. I don't want to mislead you. I want to be careful with that. And so the person who has the gift of teaching has this gift of wanting to uh, research, wanting to learn, wanting to teach correctly. Um, and that's, that's part of that gift. Now exhorting. The King James uh, translates uh, this word in the following manner. To beseech, to comfort, to exhort, to desire, to pray, to entreat, uh, in miscellaneous other ways. And so when I first wrote the outline, I put this one down as preaching. But as a teacher, I began to study and to learn, and I had to correct myself because that's not what the word really means. So what it really means is um, it speaks of one who comes alongside another to encourage. Uh, they defend people. They comfort and even teach people, or disciple is a better word. It's that person who comes alongside in, in a small one-on-one -on -one setting or a one-on-two setting or a small group and, and they're going to encourage. They're going to, to come alongside and kind of lead and, and guide. See? And so uh, when I think about this, it puts me in mind of Barnabas. Think about the volume of Scripture in the New Testament. And when I say volume of Scripture, I mean uh, the number of words and verses how much of that is written about Barnabas? A tiny, that, that, that's right, just a tiny little bit. But how important was Barnabas? Huge, right? Because when we first learned about him, who's he exhorting? The Apostle Paul. See, we think the Apostle Paul, and we think, oh man, he's the all-star. But it weren't that way in the beginning, was it? <laughs> What, when he first got saved, how did the church treat him? Oh, we're not touching this guy. It's a trick. This is the guy who's out to kill us. And plus, he didn't know anything. He knew he had the pharisaical learning, but what did he know of grace? Only that he had received it. And so, and he didn't just have Barnabas, but he had Barnabas. And it was Barnabas who stood literally at his side and said, no, we're going to accept him. And, and then walked with him and, and along with Priscilla and Aquila, taught Paul and, and then went on the missionary journeys with Paul and, and introduced him and led him and guided him. This is what it's talking about. Do you think Paul needed encouraging after the road to Damascus? Yeah. Because God blinded him, set him in a room, and then, and then sent a dude to tell him how much he's going to have to suffer. Read it. That's what it was about. It wasn't that, Paul, you're going to be the greatest apostle ever. No, you're about to suffer for the rest of your life and then be killed. 
<laughs> and I don't know how much of the success he was told, but he was told that much. And so Barnabas comes alongside, exhorts, and then what are we seeing next from Barnabas? John Mark fails on the missionary journey. He wants to go on the next missionary journey, and who withstands him? Paul. No, don't want him with me. I'll take, and so they get, they get in an argument. I like to spiritually believe they got in a fist fight, but the Bible doesn't say that. So uh, I think it'd be fun to watch that fight. But anyway, uh, y- y'all lighten up. It's not that serious. <laughs> it's just rough house. It's okay. No weapons, you know. But whatever the case, they withstood each other. And so Paul took Silas and Barnabas took who? John Mark. See, there he is again. He's coming alongside. He's encouraging. And later on, Paul writes an epistle, in an epistle, oh, and send Mark. And that's who he's talking about, the same guy, because he's been a blessing to me. See? So this is that person. It's that person who sees another uh, that needs exhorting, that needs, and you'll never know it. And they'll get them off to the side and say, hey, I see you're struggling. Let, let's get together. And, and let's talk about this and let's let's encourage one another see that's the exhorter i gotta move on i'm i'm running out of time giving now i know what some of you are thinking right off the bat Ooh, giving is a spiritual gift yes. maybe i don't have that when i don't have to give anymore that's not what it means everybody's supposed to give christian it's part of your service. Yes, giving is in every Christian's ministry and it is every Christian's responsibility. And by the way, it's how every Christian receives blessing. And then don't leave that part out. You want to be blessed? Learn to give cheerfully. See? But there is a gift of giving. And this person, normally, uh, very often, they're able to recognize need that others have that or that others do not. I, I don't really... I don't know that I have this gift. I might from time to time have it, but there are people who can sniff it out. They can sniff out need. They can see real need. And they're not always wealthy people. It's not always related to people with wealth. It's people who can see need. And and I've even known people that didn't have a lot, but they could they could sniff out and they can they knew the wealthy people and say, hey, hey. Bob, I, I know that Jim over here has a need, a real need. And Bob writes a check, and the need is met. See? So this is that gift. This is that gift of, of giving. Leadership. Uh, this is one who can accept responsibility. Uh, one who has the gift of administration, but they accept responsibility. Uh, they, who, they can withstand criticism. And continue to keep on leading. I mean, you can talk about them, run them down, but they're going to do, by golly, what they're going to do because they're they're leading everybody else along, right or wrong. They're going to they're going to they're going to continue on, and that comes with criticism always. Uh, it's one who is diligent and focused. They're goal oriented, and they will drive toward a goal in spite of obstacles. And we should be thankful for leaders because oftentimes this is those who God will give the goals to, give a direction to, uh, and they, they should lead and uh, bring us towards that direction. Mercy. This is a gift, uh, and this one is those who show mercy to the afflicted. Uh, the, the, again, this is a broad gift. 
uh, it, it, but again, these people can, they find ways to show mercy. I don't have this gift. I know this one. I do not have it. Uh, I don't possess it. Uh, I want people to have mercy, and, and I want, and I'm, but I'm horrible at it. I'm just, it's not my gift. I'm not good at hospital visits. I'm not good at, uh, I'll feel bad for you, but I, I just don't have the gift to show mercy. And the so people that, not, not <laughs> no, I know, it, there's, there's a small group of these people. But uh, note with me, look in verse 8 again. The attribute that Romans uh, attaches to this gift, because I think this is key. All right. Along with this gift, Romans chapter twelve, verse eight. Uh, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. With cheerfulness, this is somebody who can walk in the midst of the worst situation, and it, they won't just join in the depression. <coughs> they won't just. They might cry with you, but they, they know how to bring cheerfulness to it. They know how to, to, to stand up for you and to lift you up and to pull you up. And folks, that is a gift. Because not a, you ever had somebody try to do it for you that didn't have the gift? It just makes things worse, doesn't it? <laughs> it, it, it but some have this gift. And so cheerfulness, in other words... It, it's not somebody who's going to wallow with the afflicted. It's somebody who's going to bring, help bring them out of whatever that affliction may be. And I think that, so that's the seven gifts that are mentioned. Uh, yes? You said the gift of giving. I think you, you were touching on like financially giving, but I think a lot of people forget that praying for somebody is as much as giving because a lot of times God does yes. the work. You know, and a lot of times he's just waiting on us to petition, you know, to petition him. It's kind of like Israel right now. All of us, we can't take up arms and go over to Israel, but we can certainly pray for him. Yeah. And our prayers will do a whole lot, you know, in the in the communist, you know, when the wall was up. One of the things, Daddy, when he would go over to the east, he just talked about, he said, you know, they pray an hour before the service, an hour during the service, and an hour after the services. And he said one of the things that broke his heart the most is he said he would go in there and he said the first thing that they would ask him you know, here they are living under persecution, but they'd say, how are our brothers and sisters in the West? We pray for them all the time. And he said, you know, and how often he said, do you hear churches or people praying for the persecuted church or praying for people or inter, you know, interceding on them? And you have examples all through the Bible from Daniel yes. all the way to the end of Revelation about prayer. And I think that is a huge, huge part of giving is prayer. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so again, it's about that seeking the need out and recognize it and then fulfilling it however so before mentioning these gifts paul writes to the church at rome basically tells them to get their heads right tells them to renew their minds and think soberly and after explaining the gifts and their place within the church paul tells the church at rome to do things in love so yeah the gifts are important but there's no place for arrogance or pride among the believers who possess spiritual gifts why well they're given it's not what you earned. It's not, it's not based on your greatness, but it's based on what God chose to give you. And our responsibility is to get busy using the spiritual gifts. They're called gifts for a reason. Therefore, the gifts should be used graciously and with the intent of um, edifying the body of Christ, the church. <coughs> That's all I got for you. 
get out of here, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for your attention.